2: everyone to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I'm here with my co host from Tucson, Patricia Kirkman, PK, how you doing tonight?
3: Well still being a little chilly here, but they say it's getting warmer. I'm gonna hold oh. my breath. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well it's definitely getting chillier here. We are gonna be That's heading right. down into the single digits at night. Ay, ay, ay. Not looking forward to this over the next week. It looks pretty darn cold. But we yes, escaped the latest Yeah, we escaped the latest snowstorm though. We didn't and actually it's weird. We don't have any snow here. Which is unusual for New England. Yeah, no, we don't have Got any. Here. But we're supposed to get a little bit this weekend. We'll see. The weather's changing. Everything is changing to do with weather right now. So oh, that's for sure. California—they're underwater again. Ah, uh, see, it's 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 happening everywhere. Now we've been following Betsy Foss Lewis, who was a guest on our show, and she's talking mm-hmm. about Phoenix Rising. And we did post that story from her and her some of her predictions on our Facebook page. So if you haven't seen that. Go take a look. There was an actual a photo from space, and it looks very much like a phoenix. It's not a great sign, unfortunately. However, between that, the North Pole changing, the shift that's going on, there's a lot. So go to our Facebook page. Make sure you like and follow us. so You can keep up. There's a lot of changes happening very, very quickly. So what's happening in
3: the numbers, PK? What are we looking for here? Well... You know what we're really looking for, what's gonna transpire is going to be a uh what we call the blood moon, the lunar eclipse is coming. And one of the things they're talking the, the full moon and the lunar eclipse will be the week of the twentieth twenty first of January. So we're saying that they're feeling a lot of change. There's a change of pace, they're feeling pulled and they I had to laugh somebody. Yeah, but I'm I'm understanding more things and I, I feel like I'm getting smarter about some of these things. Well, it's kind of like close relationships of what's going on is what's coming. So get ready. There's going to be some good shifts that are going to go on. And you can't help but feel there's going to be some kind of healings coming out of it. I'd like to think that be the case. Because during the super moon situation, uh, the United States is totally, the United States, South America, all are totally in for it the availability to see the entire eclipse is going to be visible. So that's Oh, so we'll get a know. front row seat. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Well, it's about time you got a front row seat instead of the, the end of the bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm all
2: for it. Hopefully we won't have a cloudy sky. So that'll be interesting to watch. Oh, thanks for and, adding
3: that. Thanks for adding that okay. cloudy sky thought. <laughs> oh, <dear laughs> no, we don't want a cloudy sky. <laughs> That's usually what no, happens I, here in New England. And beautiful. Well, that's yeah. that's so true. You probably
2: have it that's out true. there in Tucson. That that you always have. So it's. Uh, we also had another paranormal news segment that was interesting. The CIA mm-hmm. has declassified a lot of documents about UFOs and psychic powers. So that's also on yes, our too. Facebook page. So if you like yes, to do some it. nighttime reading, <laughs> there's plenty of it there on that oh, CIA. Man, yeah. uh, dot gov uh, website and you can Mm -hmm. look up all of what they're posting it should be interesting and I'm counting on some of my friends to fill me in on the best parts of it so we can report back to you and let you know what they have finally declassified but it is interesting that they're putting out as you say PK more breadcrumbs for us Mm -hmm. they seem to be continuing on in that direction so I don't think they can continue to hide it. You know, it's so silly because they're like, oh, God, you know, we're waiting for the government to come out and tell us they're real. Oh, please, we already know that. You know our audience knows he that. Too. We don't need
3: to be told by anybody. And even when they tell us anything, it's just dribbles and drabs. And people, are they, they think that we're stupid, for God's sakes. So much <laughs> of this has been ongoing for so long give us a break. Just let it out there and let's get it over with. Make it exactly. so much easier and better when you don't have something to hide. Just say it and get it over with.
2: Yeah. I mean, they're really embarrassing themselves every day that they, <laughs> they pretend that we don't know the truth. We know the truth. UFOs are real. Aliens are real. Interdimensionals are real. And tonight, we're going to find out that monsters yes. are real. We have a great guest tonight coming on with us. Jason Offit is—he's written a, a great book. It's a fun book, believe it or not. It's scary, mm-hmm. but it's fascinating. And he has—he's mentioned monsters we've never even heard of before. And his yes, book is called sure. *Chasing American Monsters*. Yes, creatures, cryptids, and hairy beasts. So he's going to join us in just a few minutes, and we're going to find out about all of these things that go bump in the night. Oh, my goodness. So happy to have him with us. And, of course, people can contact you at patriciakirkman.com for their numerology for the year. Or if they have a specific question, too, right, about business or family, you can figure it out for them. Just some the numbers. So patriciakirkman.com. And also you can find... P.K. on our website, SupernaturalGirlsWithAZ.com, and you can contact P.K. and she'll set up a session. She also teaches classes. Don't hesitate to reach out to her. She loves to help people, and I do too, and now in my toolbox, as you all know, is Soul Realignment, very powerful transformational tool, and I've been doing regular sessions with people, and they're very, very excited by the actual real Results, and that's what you get with soul realignment. Don't hesitate to reach out to me, I'm Mm -hmm. also on the website. Send me an email, happy to talk to you about uh, soul realignment and what you can expect and all the details about it. It's a fascinating process. Andrea Hess, the creator of this, was on our show a month or so ago, and she really filled us in on all the details of how it came to be and why it's so powerful in transformation. Mm -hmm. So we're offering our tools to you guys, and just don't hesitate to give us an email. Send us an email, and we'll talk to you on the phone. We'll get you set up so that you can get your questions answered, get on the right road. and
3: Well, I have to add that what you give is so great because I had you do it for me, and it's wonderful. Ah, thank you. It was
2: a pleasure to do that. It was thrilled. And yes, it's a new lens. Don't you think? It's a different lens to look at your entire life. It gives you the eagle's eye view, but then it gets up close and personal at the same time. So I'm glad Mm -hmm. you enjoyed it. It was an honor for me to do that for you. So I'm happy to do it. And it's just exciting. Every time I do a session for someone, I learn something new too. Mm -hmm. So it's great 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 work so if you have a question tonight for jason our guest i'm going to give you our phone number you can feel free to call in and we promise to get your question it's 563-999-3539 again it's 563-999-3539 And Again, go back to our Facebook page because we have lots more stories there about UFOs that have been sighted and about this whole change that seems to be going on, the Phoenix, as I mentioned, and also there's a story in honor of Jason about the shadow people. Make sure you check that out. These people that Mm
3: -hmm. appear
2: in bedrooms or in landscapes, and nobody knows really what they are. But we're going to find out every single thing we can about these American monsters tonight. Now, Jason, he is from Maryville, Missouri. He teaches journalism at Northwest Missouri State University. He's the author of four previous books on paranormal topics, including Haunted Missouri and Paranormal Missouri. And he also has several novels. He's been interviewed all over internet radio and on Destination America, and he is here with us tonight. Jason, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. This is this is
2: going to be fun. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> now, you have broken all of this out in terms of States. So state by state, you go through and you name all of the monsters and tell tell the stories of it. It's a terrific book. We just so enjoyed it. It's great.
1: Well, I, I'm I'm glad it was so fun to uh, to research and, and write that book. I've I've uh, been interested in monsters my whole life, and uh, I just it was it was terrific to find you know a lot of things that I I didn't know about. That was that was fun. Now you,
2: you, you found out that Bigfoot had been sighted in your area where you grew up. And that, did that start the spark for you for American Monsters? For that started my,
1: that, that the, the spark that started was, was that monsters were real. I was always, uh I've always been a news, uh, news junkie. I, I was a, a newspaper editor for 17 years. Um, uh, but I also was interested in, in monsters. Um, yeah, we had on a local TV show, or TV uh, TV station uh, on Saturday afternoons. They had monster movies and sci-fi movies all day, and I loved watching the monsters. Uh, and <laughs> then the um, then our local newspaper started printing stories about Bigfoot. And I'm like, wait a second, Bigfoot's not real. Why is it in the newspaper? But it was. There was uh, in um, around Louisiana, Missouri, which is over between St. Louis and Mark Twain's uh, town of Hannibal. It was terrorized for um, a week or so in uh, in July of 1973, when uh, a Bigfoot was seen by a lot of a lot of different people on a, on, on a lot of again, a lot of different days. And it was in my newspaper. So I was (laughs) glued to every word. I couldn't wait for the paper to get in. I I looked for Bigfoot stories before I went, uh, you know, to read Peanuts. (laughs) It it was, yeah, and and my mom, uh, it drove her crazy because I grew up on a farm and we were surrounded by cornfields and I got those cornfields every day looking for Bigfoot products. uh, That didn't uh, (laughs) set well with her.
3: Oh, it it
2: unfortunately. oh <laughs> but you know we've heard that Bigfoot is often drawn to grain that's That's one of the things that people have shared with us. so you were in the right place i was I was on the opposite
1: side of the state, but uh i if he if he made it over my way i was I was ready for him.
2: <laughs> Did you have like a little brownie camera or something like that already set to go?
1: No, my we had a Polaroid, and Mom wouldn't let me take it outside, but uh,
2: and, uh, and
1: even though I had a little backpack with a flashlight in it, a notebook, a um, couple of sandwiches in case I got hungry, some water, and uh, I was just, I was ready to see something scream and then run.
2: <laughs> okay, that would have been helpful. <laughs> Not a lot of evidence, but definitely a hair-raising experience for you. That's cute. Well, I, I would you know, like that I, Oh gosh! Well, what an exciting way to live as a child is to be just in love with these monsters. And you know, some of them uh, did, did appear not to be so um, threatening. I mean, they were they were scary, and that it's something people didn't expect to see. But we've heard about even monsters like Dog Man, and that they there's really no evidence to the fact that dog man has attacked anyone. So people see dog man and get scared out of their wits, but to our knowledge and from the people that we've been talking with about it, they haven't attacked anyone. So that's all good.
1: Well, that we, we know of if, if, if there is a dog, dog man, and I've um, interviewed a couple of people that I, I know pretty well who seen a dog man up, up close and personal. Um,
2: so I, I, I haven't You're cutting out a little bit, Jason. Uh, you may need to just uh, adjust your, your phone a little bit so that we don't keep you. Okay, okay, sorry. Um, I, I I I might have leaned good. it a little bit yeah. too far from my face. Yeah, that oh, close good. like yeah. that. That's perfect. Yes. Yeah. So when so, you know, talk I've, to your friends who've seen dogman, what did they say happened? Give us some idea of the stories here.
1: Well, one story, um, well, one was creepier than the other, so I'll give you the less creepy one first. There is uh, a cemetery near uh, Brunswick, Missouri, which is kind of in the middle-ish sort of uh, part of the state. And uh, and my my friend and and a couple of buddies uh, of his from from there.
2: We're losing you again.
1: Okay. Well, they they would go to the cemetery to ghost hunt, and it was out in the country, off a rural highway, down a dirt dirt road, uh, up and down a couple of hills, and and you know in between a couple of cow pastures. And one night, uh, my 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 friend Ryan and and uh, a friend of his were out there, and nothing much was happening, so they decided you know it's about ten thirty. Let's just let's just go home. So they drove their pickup down the first hill. And they were going down the second hill, and they noticed that there was something in the road. And they slowed down as they approached it because it was kind of big. And when they got about 10 10 yards from it, they saw that it was a really large dog. And the dog was down on all fours like it was eating something off the middle of the road, like roadkill or something. And Mm -hmm. they just sat there for a little bit waiting for it to go, thinking that it would notice the headlights on it and hear the engine and and get spooked. But it, it didn't. Uh, they had their windows rolled down and, and said that they could smell wet dog. Yeah. Uh, well, the the guy the guy driving beat the horn. The dog turned its head, looked at them, stood up on two legs, hmm. turned its body, but kept looking at them, and just walked off the road into the into the woods. Wow. And they paused for just a second because of the shock of it all, but got out of there really fast. As I was as well. <laughs> I but, Oh, god. So it's a of a deal, but it's still, you know, kind of a threat if there are only two people. But then it stands up and walks on two legs, staring you down. That oh, is wow. a little bit unnerving. Very okay. Yeah. That the the other one, um, he actually saw this entity in town. He worked uh, when he was in, in college. He worked at a Taco Bell, and he he, shut, he closed for the night. He was an assistant manager, and he whenever he'd come home uh, for about a week, he'd stay. He'd, he'd go around the back of the house where the basement door opened because it was a little hill, and he'd stand outside and smoke a cigarette before he went in. And one night he noticed <laughs> a green glow, and the green glow he <laughs> realized were two eyes that were staring at him kind of low to the ground and it would move. He said he never saw its legs move. It's just he'd be watching it and all of a sudden it'd be just a little bit closer. And what he noticed was that it was finally, he saw that it was a dog, a really, really large dog with glowing green eyes. Um, he shouted something at it and it stood up next to a fence that was across, across the street And it loped off. And that kind of freaked him out a little bit. So he snuck in his cigarette and went in and and relaxed and with the bed. And he and his father went out there the next day to take a look at the fence and and see if there was any footprints. They didn't find any footprints, but when my buddy's um, dad was standing by the fence, the fence was up to his head. And his dad's about six, not quite, but about six foot. But when the dog had stood up, its shoulders were the same height, height as the fence.
2: Wow. That was really tall then. Oh, my goodness. over So 13. it was about yeah. six
1: feet at the shoulders. And, and he, he saw it night after night for about a week. It never stood up on his legs, but it would, it would lay there generally and study him. And the last night he saw it, this really freaked him out because he was outside smoking the cigarette again, like at 3 o'clock in the morning. And the dog was there again. And the, the, the street light across the street that it was under kept flickering. And every time it flickered, huh. it was a few feet closer and a few oh feet closer. And it got into the middle of the road, and he was like, nope, that's it. I'm going through the front door every time I come home. I'm not going to come back here anymore. And, and um, that's been a few years ago, and, and nobody in the family has seen it since. As a matter of fact, about two years ago, they moved. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I would too. You know, it's interesting though because you have to wonder—at least I do—and I know PK, you do as well. Where are these things coming from? Are they coming from another dimension? Are they here all the time? It's what do you think, Jason? Well, I mean, it, it's—it's—I—I
1: I, I only say I just—I don't know. I—I—I I, I don't know. But I, I—the I, things that I do know are that there have been Native American legends about these things. There are stories about dogmen from Europe, uh, Asia, and even even Australia. Uh, I was reading something today uh, about it. And dog men there have been a few, not many, but a few reports from, from Australia over the years. So I mean, these things are a worldwide phenomenon, and, yeah, where do they come from? I don't know. I can't. Yeah. I can't really, you know, wrap my head around a species of—I I would assume at least semi-intelligent canines that walk on two legs. I just—I I, don't—I don't know. I think Bigfoot's probably real, <laughs> so why am I hedging? <laughs> hedging, yeah. Then. Right. Yeah. It, I don't it know. Is so i mean, I—it's it, fascinating, and it very well could have a, a more supernatural explanation than it would. Uh, like, like a Bigfoot would have a super, I, I don't think Bigfoot's a supernatural beast, although there are a lot of people who do, but, uh, you know, the dog man, I think would be a good, uh, uh, you know, a good candidate for that.
2: Yes. Now you have a story in your book about, I believe it's dog man when it went right up to a young boy's window. Is that, was that dog man?
1: Yes, that was a dog man story. Um, he and his family moved to this this house that was out in in a rural area, and they were, it was it was kind of ringed. The property was kind of ringed by trees, and uh, they had seen occasionally a large dog on the property that was stray, and they didn't much of it because it didn't really come up to the house, it didn't harass it at all. It started bothering him. He had a bedroom it was on ground four, and it, it was an older house, so the, the windows were kind of tall one night the dog man was the face of the dog in his window and I mean the, whatever it was it, it, would have had, it would have been about six or seven feet tall to read window. and it didn't speak, it really didn't speak but he could understand what it was saying to him so it sounded like you know, he thought it was some sort of telepathy uh, he was maybe six years old, if I remember correctly, um, and one night his mom was walking by, walking by the the room and heard him talking, and she, he was supposed to be asleep. So she looked in and saw this dog face in this boy's open window, and she screamed, and it, and it, and it bolted and ran, and, and the boy told his mom that um, it was trying to get him to go outside. It wanted him to go outside oh. and play with it,
3: uh-huh. and, and that's oh, what it had goodness. been trying
1: to. Right, right. I, I know. And and he had had resisted every time, even though he was like, oh, it, "It's a dog. I like dogs. I could go out and and play with a dog." Um, his, his his mom saw it. He talked about it a little bit, but it, I mean, his mom saw it, and so she knew it was real, and she of course told her husband, and he started carrying. Uh, and, uh, uh, we're losing big you dog. again. We the big Jason. Dog.
2: Huh? We're losing you again. It's hard to hear you. I don't know why uh, at the break. We maybe uh, have you called back in and we can get a better connection. But keep going. So okay. the father was carrying a gun and so the father started carrying was... a gun because uh you know, in case that
1: the big dog came back because you know, that that's that, that stray looking uh large dog, he figured that you know, it showed up and then this thing showed up and eventually it did. And he shot it and wow. the large dog uh, limped away, ran away limping and they never, never saw it or the little boy never reported the dog man in his window again. So well, it looks like they, they possibly got it.
2: You know, it's, it is interesting that you bring that up that the dog man was trying to convince him to come outside. It, it reminds me of a story from the 1800s that was related in one of the Missing 411 books. And you must be familiar with this one, where there was a little girl that was uh, spending the day with her father. He had a logging operation. And she would ride down the hill uh, with the horses, with the logs, and then run back up and then jump back on the the wagon again and that and she just loved doing that well at one time that this happened she didn't come back up the hill she went missing so her father was of course frantic ran all over the place looking for her couldn't find her two hunters happened upon him and they also participated in searching for her they went out two miles from where this took place and they saw something that in one leap jumped across the river and took off some big, big beast on two legs. And they went over and they found the little girl alive, thank God. Um, but they questioned her and, and she said it, it it was the dog man, you know, it was this wolf, this dog man that that took her and gave her berries to eat. And her father said, but okay, where's your hat? Your hat's missing. She said he ate it. I mean, it's interesting oh <laughs> because here we are talking about how dangerous these things might be. And certainly he was able to, to take her away from that logging site two miles in uh, without too much time at all. And thank God they found her. They were able to rescue her. But it does make you question what in the heck are these, these things doing and why are they so interested in children? Because the story you well, bring up I- in your book is a young boy. So there's again, here we are mm-hmm. with dogmen and children.
1: Right, right. And well.
2: Oops. I think we lost uh, Jason. I think we did. <laughs> okay, I know I he, think he, he knows to call back in. But gosh, isn't this fascinating? So trying um, to put the yes. pieces together, PK, I mean, here is another child that was approached and taken, this time taken. But in the story that Jason recounts in the book, apparently uh, this might have been the same kind of thing that this wolfman
3: was trying to do, was take this child out of his home. Wonder why? what it is, the fascination with the children. Is it because it's someone to play with, or they're thinking of them as something that they can raise in their own way? Yeah, you have to wonder, uh, Jason. I think you're back mm-hmm. with us.
2: We were just kept yeah, thinking. I sure am. And and
1: about why the <laughs> okay. children children are are going to be a lot easier to pick up and, and carry away. Uh, children are also. I mean, why, why do humans eat veal and lamb? Oh, yeah, that's a good
2: <laughs> maybe, point. Oh,
3: yeah, oh maybe that's <laughs> called very tender and sweet, right? Oh,
2: that's oh, like Lord. Out of words.
3: Grim fairy tale. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I like those little baby carrots, you know. They're probably
1: terrified of me. Carrot, though, the plant world's terrified of me.
2: (laughs) Right. Right. But you are, you know, adding adding some interesting pieces to these puzzles here, Jason, with the stories that you have in your book. Now, you also talk about some things that we do know about, like gnomes. Tell us a story about the gnomes. What have you encountered with that?
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Gnomes. I, I remember back um, uh, elementary school, maybe junior high, there was a gnome book that came out, and it was on everybody's coffee table that, you know, at least that I knew of. Um, you know, these things can't be real. I mean, they're legends in Europe. They're just like elves and goblins and goblins. Yeah, they're... It's you know, gnomes don't exist, of course, but uh, I I talked with
2: uh, with a woman named Tammy. Oh, we keep losing him. Okay, we're going to have to be on the edge of our seats here while Jason calls back in because I want to hear about the gnome for the answer.
4: (laughs) When I lived in
2: Connecticut, I actually saw one in my house. He was playing with a Christmas ornament, and. Yes, and it was funny because I was working with a client, and she saw him, too. And it was she was terrified. I thought it was really neat. Okay, Jason, we're we're on the edge of our seat about Tammy. Tell us what happened. Oh, are you there?
1: Hello, yes, I am. I've got okay. to do something about my phone. This is not working out well at all. Um, yeah, yeah about, about, that's
2: okay. We'll uh, about the today. gnomes,
1: um, yeah, there's a, a woman named Tammy who lives in, lived at the time in Porterville, California. Uh, I was writing a newspaper column at the time on just uh, paranormal stories, a weekly column uh, called From the Shadows. And she had read my column and she's like, i I got to tell you my story. Well, what happened was she and her children. Um, moved to a house uh, a by the Toole River just outside of Porterville. It was in a rural area, uh, and their land butted right up next to the river, and it sounded beautiful. Uh, there was there were a few houses in the neighborhood, um, and there was one old barn. It was, it was more of a shed that was on her property. And it was really kind of weird because – she got a bad feeling about the shed and her hmm. children got a bad feeling about the shed and they're animals. They uh, had a dog, had a couple of cats and some ducks and chickens and none of them ever ventured near the shed. And wow. she, she thought this was weird, but she found out why one day her and her son, uh, her daughter stayed at home. Her and her son went to uh, went to the grocery store and they came home and she opened up the back of the, of the uh, station wagon to get the bags and she heard a cackle and she turned Mm. around and standing by that creepy shed was a little man. He was about two, two and a half feet tall. He had a dirty beard, long pointed dirty beard, uh, like a gold tunic and uh, brown pants. And a pointed red hat, and he had solid black eyes, and he was staring at her, just laughing in his evil cackle. And she said she could tell that his teeth were all pointed. Oh! This, you know, absolutely terrified her, and she That's dropped bad. the groceries and grabbed her son and ran into the house. And in just seconds later, I mean, she told her her daughters, "I mean, hit the floor! Hit, just hit the floor! I don't want anything to see us." And all of a sudden, she heard a screech. And she looked up, and in all the windows she could see, there was that red hat, the pointed hat, (gasps) rushing window to window. And it sounded like it was screaming as it was running all around the house. And the thing was, is just like I was talking about the the little boy and the dog man, it was an older house, and the ground floor windows were kind of (laughs) high. A little bit too high for this two-and-a-half-foot-tall gnome to you know have its hat poking out eventually the 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 screeching and the running and and the hat stopped and she was got brave enough to to look outside and was able to go out and get her groceries but that was absolutely terrifying and she stopped you know they, they moved fairly fairly soon afterward just because they were just the whole family was scared to death
2: I mean to see something with pointy teeth is never a good sign. And the fact that he was mocking them with his laugh, I mean this was not a friendly gnome clearly, and they all had a bad feeling about that shed. I mean every single one of them, all their animals. So there you go. I mean there was something evil about this thing. And and I guess that's what we've come to understand about gnomes and fairies that you know they're not all nice. So here's an example. Well they're of not that.
1: Disney they are not Disney yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. And, I bet The, that. the, the story's mm-hmm. not over yet. <laughs> the story's not over yet. I I was contacted um, by a woman who – her name was uh, Charlie, and she wanted to tell me because she read that story, and she's like, oh, my gosh, this is so much like my story. i wanna, oh my. I, I got to tell you this. And she had also lived in a rural house uh, outside of Porterville, California, uh, next to the tool river and they, uh, it was an old house and there was also a shed on the property. And she said the shed was kind of weird and it was her and her husband and their Labrador and their twins. They were babies and they moved in and the house was perfect for them. And her and her husband put a, a koi pond that was outside. Uh, their bedroom was upstairs and they put a koi pond in so they could look out on it, at, you know, when they were up in their up in their bedroom, and everything was really nice. And then some weird things started happening. One, she was outside and heard her husband yelling at her from inside, and she thought it was strange because he he'd gone into town for something, and uh, she went inside and couldn't find him. And then a little bit later, he came home, so oh, she couldn't that's explain weird. that. And then later that same day, she heard – she was outside working in the yard and heard a cat. It was like a, a, a cat fight, and huh. it was coming from this shed. And she went and got her husband, and they went out there and opened up the shed, and there was like two – I don't mean to get graphic. I'm just going to say it's like, it was like two-thirds of a cat was there. Oh. Its back mm-hmm. legs had been had, – were gone. Oh, wow. The rear, rear part was gone, and it was still it was still alive, and she oh, begged no. her husband to do something, and so he went to get a, a shovel, so he could like scoop it up, so he didn't have to pick it up, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure what he was going to do with it a- after that, but when he came back to the shed, it was gone, <gasps> and there was no way it could have gone anywhere, no way it could have gone anywhere. Oh. But then things started escalating. Their koi started disappearing from their pond. And they figured, you know, it's, it's probably a raccoon. Raccoon's coming, catching our fish, and eating our fish. So we've we got to do something about it. We'll, so they had a, a fish tank, so they, they took the koi and put them in the fish tank inside the house. Um, they also had a couple of lawn ornaments. For some reason, they decided to take them in the house, too. Uh, like a mushroom and a and a garden gnome. <laughs> Funny,
3: it was a mm-hmm. garden gnome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they took the inside
1: and later that night they heard a screaming. It was like two o'clock in the morning. They heard a screaming from outside. And and they had uh in a couple of places in the yard, you know, put um uh put lights, um you know the the, the motion motion sensitive lights and their yeah. light was on outside the window. Oh. So she looked outside the window, and there was about a two to three foot tall person with a dirty, pointed, long, pointed beard, a little red hat that was pointed, and, you know, brown, brown pants. And it was standing at the pond looking up at her, screaming at her in a language that she couldn't understand. And her husband looked out and, and saw that as well they were like, oh my God, what, what are we going to do about this? They they were just they were totally flummoxed in there and terrified. And like the, the gnome in the other story did, this one screamed and started running around the house. Yeah. And right. yeah, right. And the, um, uh, she, Charlie, went, she's like, i got to go check on the twins. So she went and checked on her daughters. And the husband realized, oh my gosh, we, I put in a dog door in the kitchen for our, our dog. And that little Uh-oh. man is big enough to get inside the dog door. So he bolts downstairs, runs toward the kitchen. When he gets toward the kitchen, he sees the dog door being moved in a little bit. So he does, <gasps> uh, you know, baseball slide in the first base and his foot hits the door. <laughs> Whatever was there, it hits it. And he has a latch on, on the dog door so they can they can lock it up whenever they're gone. So he locks that. But they were convinced that this tried to come in the house. They didn't stay there very much longer either. They they moved, moved as uh, yeah yeah any sane person would.
2: Yeah, because what do you do? It's like when you describe them seeing this thing staring up at them. Oh my God, what do you do about it? I mean, what do you? It's a man, two two and a half feet tall. I mean, what are you gonna do? Shoot at it? It's like. A real question in your mind: How do you handle this? Right, thing? Yeah, and
1: you're not. Nobody's really equipped equipped to to, to handle a gnome, right? Um, yeah. They call. They did call uh, the sheriff's department about an intruder. They didn't say what he looked like, but the sheriff <laughs> and a deputy came out, and there was footprints about the size of maybe uh, you know an eight or nine year old kid would leave, that were all around the koi <laughs> pond. Um, oh, right. right, and then I got okay, I, I, I got that story and I compared it to the earlier story with Tammy and I'm like this is way way too similar so I put yes. Charlie and Tammy in contact with each other and they got together and they went out to the property and it was the same property they had both lived oh on the God. same property in the same <gasps> house, it was the same gnome. when oh. they got out there, the, the shed had been oh. torn down And we tried to talk to the woman who was renting the house, and she wouldn't have anything to do with her, with either of them. Um, They did go around the the little sparse neighborhood that was in that area. And the only information they got that they thought was of any use was um, an older woman who lived in a trailer said that she hears laughing in the middle of the night, and something kept pooping on her living room uh, carpet. Oh, 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 no. And she has no no. pets. Oh, my God. (gasps)
3: <gasps> well, after I could oh, the I Good God,
2: drink. that's horrible. Yeah, those nasty little gnomes, my goodness. And, and here we're taught <laughs> to believe that they're all nice and friendly, but that is not true. Not Tammy case. and Charlie can attest to that. Oh, my God. Well, we're <laughs> going to take a very short commercial break, and we're going to come back and talk about other monsters we're going to talk about pug witchies, and we are going to talk about mothman which we've heard about before werewolves and all kinds of things that go bump in the night we are with jason off tonight chasing american monsters creatures cryptids and hairy beasts so stay tuned everybody you're listening to supernatural girls radio and we will be right back
0: are you ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world, with a Quantum Vortex Energy to activate your Divine Blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with Cosmic Fusion and Quantum Vortex Energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the Source. With Cosmic Fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, The Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com
5: Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Available on Amazon.com.
4: Astridian is a family of cosmetic products with 98% pure ionized minerals. We combine our science with a blend of essential oils to nourish and take care of your skin's health. How does it work? All the stridium products contain the proprietary redox technology, having the capability of simulating an ionic zinc-copper superoxide dismutase effect. This free radical scavenger currently in your body has been diminished by toxins and the daily stresses of life. It is a perfectly balanced mineral complex that all $200-an-hour dermatologists, their professors, and ancient history have proven. Redox technology is a process of reducing the skin's oxidation by transferring electrons from a radical state to a stress-free normal condition. Oxidative stress is a form of cellular aging, and as science has proven, a precursor to disease. The free radical theory of aging states that organisms age because cells accumulate free radical damage over time. Damaged cells are not beautiful, but healthy cells are. The Astridian family is presented in four different uses that cover unique benefits to your body. They are the Essential Anti Aging Series, the Multivitamin Series, Sports Series, and Professional Series. Regain your youth with the power of Astridian. Visit www.astridian.com and inquire. Use the code SUPERNATURAL and receive a 10% discount on your first purchase. Astridian, the beauty of being healthy.
2: Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I am here with my co-host, Patricia Kirkman-PK, and our guest tonight, Jason Offit, who is the author of a great new book called Chasing American Monsters, Creatures, Cryptids, and Hairy Beasts. We have a lot more monsters to talk about, but before we go there, I just want to mention again that the property tax book. By Patricia Quintilian. I can't recommend it highly enough. Everybody who's a property owner, you need to know you've got until the end of January to read your property record card and find out if you're being overassessed, if you are, and you file your abatement. All of that has to happen by the end of January. Not a lot of time. Make sure you get Attorney Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Every property owner needs a copy of this. Believe me, there's a lot of things going on with property taxes you would be very unhappy to hear about. So you've got to get on top of this subject, get familiar with it, and Attorney Quintilian's book will help you figure it out. So here we are, back to American Monsters. Now, oh my God, there's so many to talk about. Where do we go from here? What's your favorite monster, Jason?
1: Oh my gosh, that's putting me on the spot. I love all monsters. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: uh, which one is the most intriguing to you?
1: The,
5: mo-
1: the most, uh, the most intriguing. We've already, actually, I've already talked about this one. The most intriguing to me is one that I think might actually be real, which is Bigfoot. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, not just the photographic of uh, the photograph. I don't believe photographic evidence. But, on anything because I'm not very good at photoshop but I can make something look believable um mm-hmm. I I I teach uh, at a, at a university and I've I've seen student projects that use use some special effects and I'm like well that looks real nice work so any you know pictures or video I don't really trust them but i mean, just from the forensics evidence and all the, I mean all the reported sightings that's Man, i just what could
2: be. Well, that's, yeah, we've, we've had people on the show, as I mentioned before, that have had face-to-face encounters with Bigfoot, and they're quite credible witnesses. And, again, we're not talking about photography. We're talking about people who have had real-life experiences. One was a psychologist out in Oregon, Dr. J, who's been on the show and has a book about his how it changes life. I mean, that's the other thing about these encounters, they do seem to be very life changing for people. So it's, you know, it's, it's things that make you uh, go, hmm, and do more than that. I mean, I think that this young boy who had the experience of Dog Man, I'm sure that it stayed with him forever and always will. It was so unusual. So well, all of these things, all
1: of these encounters, it doesn't matter if it's a cryptid or a ghost or, an, a, you know, a, a UFO encounter, those things, that kind of defines your life from that point on because you know yeah, you know whether or not anybody else will admit they're real, you yourself know there's something out there that we don't know about and it got close enough to you uh, to, to make that impression. So, I mean, as, as, uh, you know, I, I said to lots of people lots of times, I love the paranormal as long as it's happening to
3: somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that idea.
2: Yeah, I like it when it happens to me. I really enjoy the excitement of touching into another, another reality. But I can understand your pause when it comes to these things. Now, somebody wrote in a question here about Tommy knockers. That is a new term for me too. Tell us about Tommy knockers. What are they?
1: Well, Tommy knockers. Uh, the term originated in Cornwall, England. Uh, miners uh, in Cornwall. Uh, there were a lot of mines there, a lot of miners started experiencing things like, um, uh, wow, there's some knocking down this mine shaft. Oh, Hey, what happened to my pick? And I just set it down and it's gone. Hey, what did, who took my lunch? Um, so things started disappearing and they would report seeing diminutive miners, little men with mining gear in, in the tunnels. And, uh, like a lot, you know, like we were talking with the gnomes, they could be vicious, but most diminutive people uh, uh, across the world, uh, you know, elves, you know, goblins, uh, the tomtar from uh, Sweden, uh, which is a different ty- which is a type of gnome. All of these things, if you treat them well and they think you're a decent person, they might pull a joke on you here and there, but it won't be anything deadly. If you're Mm -hmm. not a good person or you've treated them poorly, uh, expect to be better than a mine shaft that's going to collapse. So Tommy knockers were kind of a mixed bag. They were either, I heard them, I'm going to die, or I heard them down this this tunnel, that means I better leave because there's going to be an accident. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it it, it, it didn't end there. Um, Well, the explanation that, uh, and I'm not really sure how this fits in, but the Cornwall miners had an explanation of what Tommyknockers were, and they were the the damned, doomed spirits of the um, men who uh, crucified Jesus. That's oh who they my. thought they were. Wow. And, and anyway, when when uh, coal, they started coal mining in Pennsylvania, and then later when they started mining for gold in California in the uh you know early to mid 1800s they got the best miners they could find they had miners from Cornwall England shipped over to the United States so they could you know show them how real mining was done and as with a lot of these these monsters uh the legends came you know with the people when people migrate to a different country they just don't bring you know their uh, their language they don't bring their you know just bring their clothes or a couple family heirlooms what they bring are their legends and you know a lot of these monsters in my book were european or uh indonesian or chinese or you know south american and they all came to the united states when people migrated here and and that's that's what happened to the tommy knockers
2: it's a fascinating story. Yeah. And it it also brings uh-huh. the question of where are they there to warn you that something is is about to happen like Mothman. There's always been that question. Let's go to Mothman because people were wondering did Mothman cause the collapse of the bridge or did was Mothman there to warn about the collapse of the bridge. So you encountered some stories about Mothman. Tell us about that. And also other things yeah. like Mothman.
1: Right, and that is, that's a question that still hasn't been answered. What what was Mothman doing? Uh, uh, this was, you know, I'd have to look this up. I think it was 67 or 68 uh, in uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which um, was right across the, 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 the river from uh, uh, from Pennsylvania. It um, there was a sighting. Uh, a group of young people, uh, one, two were married, the other, the other two were dating. They were out at the TNT area uh, outside of Point Pleasant. The uh, TNT area was named such as it, it, was, um, it manufactured arms uh, and, uh, uh, and ammunition uh, during, uh, during the wars. So, but the, the, the factories had gotten closed down, and people go out there to drink beer and make out. And that's what these two young couples were doing. They're out there making it out. And then one of them noticed that standing close to the car, uh, I mean, not like a foot away, but like, you know, 10, 15 yards away was a man in shadow, a big one, a big man in shadow, but his eyes were red. And this really panicked them. They're like, this, this, isn't, this isn't right. This isn't real. We got to get out of here. So they 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 backed up, their car and drive, and were taking off. And all of a sudden, this thing unfurled wings and shot into the air. And they drove, they 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 got fast, tried to get fast out of there, and this Mothman kept up with them. Its wings were seen on you know people the people in the car would look out the look out the windows and they would see the wings tips on either side of the car. So it had a really big wingspan yeah and eventually it eventually it stopped eventually stopped following them and they went in and uh, went into town and reported this to uh to the authorities and when it hit the newspaper um people started going out to the tnt area just to find it and there were a lot more reports but there were also reports of it being cited over the um the silver bridge uh which went, uh, went uh went across the river um from, from Point Pleasant, and there were also reports about that time of men who were really strange. They had extremely pale skin. They wore black suits, black hats, black sunglasses, black tie, white shirt, and drove large black cars. And any person who'd seen the Mothman or had reported in their life seeing a UFO, these men in black, these were some of the first you know, as many black encounters. Would would go talk to them and say, "You didn't see anything. Don't talk to people." Well, this is coupled with more Mothman sightings, strange phone calls, uh, strange things happened to the uh, electricity in people's houses, and then it all culminated right before Christmas with the Silver Bridge collapsing. And mm. yes. it was there were a lot of people on the bridge, uh, uh, and and I don't remember how many people died. But uh, there were, you know, Christmas presents bobbing up in the river after. Uh, and mm, it was just really how
2: sad! sad. Yeah. Really sad and a terrible disaster.
1: Um, right, right. It was it was absolutely horrendous and Mothman sightings, you know, really tailed off after then. Uh, however, there have been reports of Mothman-type creatures in. Various cities uh, right before a disaster like that. I, I remember when uh, there was a bridge collapse in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, I believe, or St. Paul. It was, it was one of the Twin Cities, and somebody had reported seeing a mothman. In the past couple of years, there have been a couple of dozen mothman reports from, um, from Chicago, other than, yeah, that was just recently than,
2: too that there were a few report, quite a few reports actually in the Chicago area last year.
1: Yes, right. Uh, Ron Strickler um, is uh, is a paranormal writer, and uh, he's uh, he's been all he was all over that that story from from day one. He's got a lot of good good stuff on that. Um, but yeah, a lot of Mockman sightings, uh, anything from somebody seeing this winged entity perched on top of the building to you know, a man and his son walking through the park and he you know, rounded a bin on the trail and there was like a seven foot tall black with red eyed figures and wings that was startled when they showed up and they just shot up in the air and flew away. Wow. So I don't know, we, we didn't have any major catastrophe like, uh, you know, like the Silver Bridge collapse uh in, in Chicago when when the thing was seen. But these sightings tend to come up, there's a lot of them, and then they stop. The Chicago mm-hmm. sightings have tailed off. And yeah, they certainly uh,
2: have. You're right. We haven't heard about it right. in quite some time now.
1: And something that John Keel, uh the the uh, writer who came the author who came up with uh, who, who reported on Mothman, the first one to report on Mothman and and, and uh, the one who covered the story while it was happening uh, came up with, with uh, the idea of window areas, that there are certain parts of the world that are windows into other, other places, other dimensions, other times, uh, you know, what, whatever you want to call it, that sometimes things can come through. And then the windows close, and the things can't come through anymore. And... He proposed that for, for Martin as well, and that that you know that really kind of makes a lot of sense to me.
2: It does to us as well, yes, it does make sense because there there aren't consistent sightings year after year after year, like you're saying, they taper off, they go away, and they come back years later sometimes so uh it, it's just fascinating the, this this whole thing now, I have to share with you as i I did mention this before the show went live. My favorite story in your book is about the night people. Now you mentioned portals and windows and other dimensions. Tell us, tell our audience, about the night people. I just love this story.
1: Right. I mean, what happens when the sun goes down and we're asleep?
4: <laughs>
1: what 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 yes. what happens? What walks through? <laughs> what 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 kind of entities? What, is that? they're normal. <laughs> There are there are animals, that's their normal. And, and there are probably lots of entities that, you know, when the sun goes down, that's their normal. Uh, I interviewed a guy named uh, Vern Windsor, who grew up in a small town of Oric, Missouri, um, which is uh, 800 people. Um, um, I grew up just outside of that town, actually. Uh, it's really small. But he said he remembered as, as a kid um he was supposed to go to bed, and he didn't, because kids don't like to go to bed. And he would, <laughs> you know, he would look out his window and just stare out his window, and he said at night there were people walking the streets, um, just normal people, dressed like normal people. They'd be mowing yards, uh, you know, drinking a glass of iced tea, uh, people talking. A young couple pushing a a, a stroller with a baby down the street. Uh, Just normal things, normal things. But although they looked looked human, their eyes were bubbles like like fish. They had fish eyes. And he just thought this was fascinating. And in his mind, that he and his family and everybody he knew, they were the day people. And these people who came out and lived their normal lives – were the night people. And they would come in and out of the neighbor's houses uh, just like they owned them, just like they were there their houses. So he figured that, oh, well, we, when we're awake, we use this house, we use this yard, but when it's night and we're asleep, the night people use our yard. They use our houses. <laughs> Why not? That, that was his logic. He thought that was, that was it. And one night he was staring at them, and there were a couple of kids, Playing in the neighbor's yard And he was like thinking I really want to go out and play with these kids And about the time he thought that One of the adult night people Looked over And saw young Vern's face in the window Staring at them. And at that point He passed out And he didn't Wake up until the morning And after that The night people didn't show up in, in his hometown Anymore but he said not that long after his family moved to the nearby town of Liberty, Missouri, and he saw the night people again. And this time he didn't draw attention to himself because he didn't want to scare them away. But eventually as he started getting older he didn't he didn't see them anymore.
2: What an incredible occurrence. And and how in his own child mind he wasn't afraid. He just thought this was normal that they were just using our houses at night. Now, isn't that fascinating? PK, maybe they're using our houses at night. We don't, just don't know it. What in the world? Uh, <laughs> I hope they know how to clean. You know, <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, that's,
1: um, maybe that's why you know, a lot of ghostly activity or shadow people activity happens at night. Maybe it's the night people, and that's all we can
2: see of them. Yeah, that's that could very just well Just throwing getting. that out there. <laughs> but you know the thing is, yeah, yeah I know. who can disagree? We don't know,
3: right? Go right. ahead, and it. Mm-hmm. This is fascinating. Now you, you got. Now I'm gonna. You, this feeling sometimes that you can feel somebody's presence, and yet there's like a flash that goes past you. And you don't know where it came from, and you could swear to God that there was something there, but then you can't see anything. That's what drives me yeah. crazy when those things happen. Well, maybe
2: now you yeah. can you can ask if it's the night people i mean, but the the thing that mm-hmm. is so fascinating too about they had these fish eyes, so uh, he noticed that there was a difference in their appearance, that their their eyes were different than ours, so my God, what was he seeing? It's just amazing.
1: right, and it didn't freak him out because they were dressed normally, otherwise they were normal. they were doing normal things that he saw people doing during the day. So it was, I think, the normality that, you know, made him think that, you know, well, this is all just normal stuff. They, they just do right. it at night. That
2: is <laughs> so, so wild. I love that story. Now, PK lives in Arizona, and Arizona has its own list of American monsters. Tell us about some of the things she can expect to see in Arizona. Uh,
1: well, you can't uh, can't expect to see uh, the, the Cardinals in a football championship anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was just wrong. I am so sorry. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Arizona, Arizona uh, uh, has, has a lot of every state's got a lot of things. We've got. I might be pronouncing this wrong. The, the uh, Mogollon Rim. Is this right? Yeah, I'm.
3: I don't know, to be honest, because l o
1: n. Uh, yeah, when
3: I was reading the book, I kept going. I, I I don't. I haven't heard it before, and so I was trying to pronounce it correctly. And I'm thinking, he'll know what it is. Well, we both are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well,
1: this is. Uh, there was a monster that was seen there. Um, I mean, throughout the ages, but it was first reported in in a newspaper in 1903. Uh, mm-hmm. When a man was walking on this uh, this uh, escarpment and saw a monster that was on two feet. It was hairy, um, had long white hair and a beard that went down to its knees and had vicious claws on its fingers. And it had, there was a dead mountain lion at its feet, and he'd been drinking its blood. And when the monster noticed this man, his, his name was I.W. Stevens, uh, it stood up straight and picked up a club and swung it at him, threatened him with the club. And he, you know, took off running. And um, he wasn't the only person to, to see this. People had, had seen this through, uh, you know, th- throughout throughout the years. And, you know, there were reports of, of Bigfoot. Uh, it was also called the troll. Uh you know uh, hikers uh, have have run into this thing um one of them uh caught it drinking from a pool making noise like a pig and he said that that <laughs> creature uh had bluish gray hair and a human like face that was all bumpy mm-hmm. and, and again it was uh it was um um you know, it was it was it was bipedal and uh i mean bigfoot maybe um can't imagine it being a wild man if it was tough enough to kill a uh, mountain lion with a club, though.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, well, you did say you had yeah. wicked claws, too. So, oh, my goodness. Um, right. Yeah, that's a fascinating story. So that's an Arizona monster. Now, you also talked about a werewolf story that was fascinating. I believe that happened in Georgia. Is that where that happened with the little girl? Right, right.
1: Um yes, I thought you were gonna talk about the uh the, the werewolf in Arizona. Oh the lot of it was that. Yeah, well uh, uh, a a group of um you know, late teens were um in uh in Tempe, Arizona and mm-hmm. they were, you know, at Bible study and uh, a few of them got kind of bored and excused themselves and, and went out and started uh, just started walking around and, and talking. And they walked out on this golf course, and it was kind of ringed by uh, like palm trees. And all of a sudden, a, one of the palm trees started shaking, and something big and dark dropped out of it. And they were like, what the heck just happened? And all of a sudden, it stood up and walked slowly toward them in a, you know, stereotypical stealthy-type manner. And it was a wolf that was about six or seven feet tall, and it was on a ton of legs, and it was growling. And they were in the middle of town, and they all screamed and ran back to the house. Um, You know, the the, the guy I talked to, he said he looked back a couple of times, but it, it wasn't following them, thankfully. But they'd seen what the, what he just described as a werewolf in the middle of uh in the middle of Tempe, Arizona.
2: My God. Well, PK, mm. just don't go out at night. <laughs> I'm not going to
3: Tempe, that's for sure. <laughs> I'll say, wow.
2: the, the
1: the one in
3: Georgia
1: uh one of the more famous werewolf stories in the United States. It involved uh uh Emily Burt. Uh when she was Uh, Her father, uh, Joel, died in 1948 and left Emily and Sarah, Mildred. um, His wife's also name was Mildred. He left them all a lot of money, and the mom really wanted her children to get a good education, but she also was a socialite and liked to party, so she sent all the kids away to boarding, boarding school in Europe. Mm-hmm. And later when the children came home after, you know, spending a semester abroad, there was something um, about Emily that was, that was wrong. She had always been pretty shy, uh, but she was even more shy than she'd ever been. Uh, and she was sick a lot. And she said that she was, you know, always tired because she just couldn't sleep. She'd go to sleep, but you know, she'd toss and turn and wake up, but she just, you know, she just couldn't sleep. So the mom uh, was worried, of course, and and began watching Emily, and the girl would fall asleep, and then she'd get up and walk out of the house. She'd just get up and sleepwalk out of the house and go into the nearby woods. And the mom, when she was awake, started asking Emily about, you know, what's going on, but Emily didn't remember anything that had ever happened in the woods. And as the legend goes, uh, her appearance started changing. Uh, her teeth started growing the points. She started to uh, to grow hair in strange places. And suspicious, I mean, super. Just people started <laughs> thinking something was wrong with her. And then um, farmers started complaining that there was a wolf in the area, killing. Their are livestock, and, and, and back, this is, you know, back in the day, there, there were wolves in Georgia. Red wolves were in Georgia. They're not anymore. Mm-hmm. And the farmers went out to hunt it, but they couldn't find it. And then they started to say, okay, we can't find a wolf. Maybe these animal deaths are caused by a werewolf. And then they waited and waited, and a full moon came, and they went out looking for the beast, And they found it. They found a man-sized wolf walking on two legs, and shot it.
5: And it
1: didn't kill it, but it ran away. And the mom heard the shots fired and went to to Emily's room, and her daughter was not there. Uh, So she terrified, she ran into the woods and found her daughter lying unconscious on the dirt, and she was bleeding. So she took Emily home and sent for the doctor and... Emily had been shot. So people started thinking Emily was the werewolf. Oh my. Yeah. Just as soon as Emily was healed enough to to travel, um, her mom sent her to Europe again. And when Emily was gone, while she was gone, the animal uh, death stopped. And when she returned, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't start again. And Emily later became a successful business person. And, uh, she died when she was 70. But uh, for a while, there, the people in uh, that small town in Georgia thought she was a werewolf. And,
2: yeah. you know, she could have been. I see that. Yeah, she could have been. I mean, it, yep. it did yeah. seem to. You could draw that conclusion based on a number of facts that you just presented with the story. It, mm. It's just fascinating. Yeah. That's poor Emily. Well, and I the mom sent her back to Europe
1: hoping she would be cured of, uh, of her lycanthropy. And, you know, apparently she saw somebody when she was in Europe, so maybe she was cured. It's quite possible
2: because, or, like you said, it, it all came juicy. to an end. Gosh! Yeah, but oh well, my God, what, what a Europe. great story! Hmm. Just amazing stuff. Them? Now, um, you also now here we are in Massachusetts. That's where I am, and there's hmm. quite a few monsters here. And somebody just wrote in and asked about the pug budgies. Tell us about those creatures.
1: All right, uh, I am absolutely in, intrigued with with the little people, like like the gnomes, that really intrigued me as well. But not just them. Um, reports of small humans that you know have warred with people have have, you know, have had wars with us. I mean, they are all over the world. You know, I've already mentioned. The, You know, the Tomtar, the Kobolds, uh Hawaii's got the Minahumi. Uh in Iceland, they are so uh you know, they they believe so much in elves that when they're building roads and buildings, if there is a landmark like a like a boulder that they think elves live in, they build a road around it. Around it, yes. Mm -hmm. Around it, yeah, they won't put a building on a spot that they think elves live on because they don't want to anger them. Um and then there was the the legend in Indonesia of the Ibu Gogo, which means grandmother who eats anything.
4: The uh, natives,
1: <laughs> the natives had, had said, you know, for centuries upon centuries, there were these small people who would sneak into their um, sneak into their, their their villages and steal children and eat them. And this was oh you know God. dismissed as myth until on the island of Flores in 2004. In a cave, a bunch of skeletons of small people, about three feet tall, were found. And they were full-grown human people. And they were labeled uh, uh, homo forensis, uh, again in 2004, and they were dubbed the hobbits because they were. Uh, the sciences classified them as uh, an offshoot of the race of, of, of us but they're just mm-hmm. really short. So, okay. you know, these people existed. <laughs> these small people existed. Why can't the others? Um, yes,
2: that's true. Well. Right. So
1: let's look at, at, at the Pukwudgie. And I'm also going to bring up um, the – I am not going to be able to pronounce this way this name. Wormatogumas, um, uh, I believe mm-hmm. – um, it's it's a it's a little person in the Delaware Indian uh, legend. Um, anyway, the the, the and the um, Wemagunas uh, are small people. They're maybe about two feet tall. Uh, they take they, they play pranks on 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 the big people. Uh, sometimes they lead them out and get them lost in the woods. Uh, but if they're angered by the big people they might lead them out into the woods and, you know, have them, uh, you know, trick them into falling off a cliff to their death. Or if they're really angry, they can turn invisible, invisible, and they will also shoot big people with poison arrows, oh, which, my. of course, kills them. So that's the puckwudgie That's also the Delaware Indians legend. That's also a legend from... The Sioux Omaha, uh, the Sioux and the Omaha Indians of South Dakota. Uh, there's a place called Spirit Mound that has two-foot-tall people that they call little devils, but behave exactly the same as the Puckwidges. Oh, they're no they're the same. They're the same size. They will play jokes unless you anger them, and then they will go to war with you they can disappear, and they will kill you with magic arrows. Right? Then also there's another legend of the Shoshone Indian tribe of Wyoming, uh, has another name I'm not going to pronounce correctly, Uh Maimagar, which is the same thing. Two to three feet tall, uh, can turn invisible, have poison arrows, and can play jokes if they're in a good mood, but they will kill you if they're not. Why are all of these stories the same? It wasn't really easy to go from Massachusetts to Wyoming. Exactly. No, the, yeah. So, I mean, this is one of those things that, I'm, that that makes me think, yeah, if it's the same story in a wide area, why why isn't it true?
2: I think it is. And I know that the puck budgie here has been spotted repeatedly in the Bridgewater Triangle area where there's been a lot of things. Not just the Pagwachi But I've heard stories And we've had people on the show talking about them That they can be pretty nasty And like you mentioned Leading people to get lost in the woods Or trying to coerce Somebody's walking their dog And they're trying to get their dog To kind of follow them in the wrong direction So it does seem like they're a bit more nefarious In some of what they do And then like you said They can also turn deadly with their little poison arrows so it's they're they're not to be messed with. That's for sure. You don't want to make them. I don't know what makes them mad though. What would make them mad?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, just uh, one of the things is uh, infringing on their territory.
2: That okay. that is there that is a go.
1: problem with with about anybody. Uh, one one of the issues specific with the puckwudgies is um, when the world was created. Uh, the giant that created the world uh, after he created the puckwudgies created humans and favored the humans over the Puckwudgies, So the Puckwudgies have been jealous since the beginning of time. That's another reason.
2: Okay. So they're just, they're just normally pissed off given the history, which doesn't make it good. So, yeah, but there are certain areas where, I guess, the Native American uh, tradition and oral tradition has passed down stories and said stay away from these areas. That you may encounter this and it won't be pleasant. So there have been. And of course, when the
1: Europeans started coming over here, they ignored every single bit of that. And uh, in some cases, they paid the (laughs) price.
2: Right. That's right. Now, there's also something you talk about called the Black Dog of Hanging Hills. What is that? Well,
1: it's uh, a legend of a. Black dog. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's it's an omen. Um, This dog, whenever it uh, appears, the legend has it. When it appears the first time, it's a good thing. Uh, You see this dog. The dog could lead you. uh, If you're lost, would lead you out of out of trouble. Uh, But if you come back and come back, things get worse. Once you see this dog the third time, it will most certainly trick you into falling off of a cliff. Ooh. So it's right. It's it, it's a good thing to see once, but if you see it once, you should probably not go uh, back to the hells again.
2: Okay, well, that's good advice. Now we mm-hmm. are forewarned with that. Oh, my goodness. There's yeah. so much to learn about these monsters so you don't make them mad. Gosh. Oh. What about black-eyed kids? Now that I didn't see in your book, but you must have heard stories about them.
1: Well, I've you know I I wrote uh, a lot about black-eyed kids back right before they started getting popular. In um, matter of fact, I I was starting uh, the outline of a book on black-eyed kids, and my wife said, uh, "Jason, all these things you write about don't bother me, except the black-eyed kids. So please don't write ah. a book on them because if one shows up at my door, it's your butt." <laughs> so, yeah, no one wanted to pick my battles. I did not write a book on
5: them. But,
1: yeah, the black-eyed kids are, are fascinating and absolutely terrifying. Um, they they appear as uh, generally teenagers, uh, you know, 14, 16 years old, something like that, although I've gotten reports of uh black-eyed toddlers and uh, young adults who, have, who have, have been black-eyed kids. What they appear to be other than absolutely normal is they're usually dressed a little bit off. They're, they're usually dirty, have bad breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might be dressed yes. you know, 10, 15, 30 years out of date. Um, mm-hmm. They will approach somebody uh, who is, in and usually in twos, usually, not always, but usually in twos. They will approach somebody, who's alone in a quiet, lonely place. Uh, The very first uh, encounter that was publicized was uh, journalist Brian Bethel back in uh, the late 1990s. He lives uh, in Texas, and he had pulled up uh, in a strip mall in front of his cable. Newspapers, generally, if you've got a... uh, a morning paper. Your deadline's like midnight, eleven o'clock or midnight. So mm-hmm. hours are weird. So he got off work and he went to pay his his cable bill at the strip mall. And he was sitting in his his car writing a check, and he was just going to drop it in the night deposit box. And there it was kind of well lit because there was a, a movie theater, you know, a little bit you know in the same strip mall. The marquee was all bright, and so he yeah, he's writing it out. His window down just a little bit, maybe a couple inches, and all of a sudden he noticed there was somebody standing outside his window. And he turned and looked, and it was a 16 year old kid standing there in a hoodie. And that kind of bothered him because all of a sudden the kid was just there. But he said, What do you want? And the kid said, Well, my friend and I are going to go see a movie. And he told him what the movie was, and he said, uh, but we don't have any money. Would you please take us to my house so I can get some money? And Brian looked over at the movie marquee, and the movie this kid said that he and his buddy were gonna go see had started like an hour and a half ago. So that immediately he was suspicious. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and this 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 kid had another kid standing behind him, a few feet. and you know, Brian said, no, i mean i I'm not going to take you anywhere." And the kid said, "Oh, come on, man." you can take us someplace, please let us in your car. And that made him even more nervous. But for some reason, he wanted to unlock the door and let the kids in. And he even caught himself moving his hand towards the door lock before he stopped himself. And he, he looked up and he was all of a sudden terror gripped him because he noticed that this kid's eyes uh, were black, there were no whites, Ugh. there's no eyeless. It was just totally black like a shark's eye. And he also noticed that the younger kid who was with him had been moving himself behind the you No, know, Now, he wasn't behind the car yet, but he, toward the back. You know, it looked like what predators do when there's more than one.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: One draws the attention and the other one goes around for the attack. He said that's what it felt like. And he was so terrified, he just slammed the car in reverse and shot the hell out of there. But he said as we whipped the car around, he looked in his rearview mirror, and there was no place the kids could have gone, but they were gone. And he left and went home. And I interviewed him a couple years ago, and he said, and he still lives and works in that town, and every time he drives by that strip mall, it just sends shivers down his back.
2: God, that's terrifying. What are they? What are these yes, kids? These kids. That's the question. Right, they yeah. act like predators. They
1: speak in a manner that is a, a maturity that's that's much more mature than their age shows. It should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, they demand you have to let me in, whether it's in a car, whether it's in, into your house. You know, let me into your house. Or uh, I interviewed a guy who um, was walking home one night. And these kids approached him, they were about 10 and 12, asking, can you take us to this cemetery? <laughs> and he, he knew these kids were wanting to get him alone, and, and he wouldn't do it. But, I mean, so, yeah, they're mature for their age, they're demanding, they get angry when you tell them no, and they have to be allowed to be inside.
2: Um, That's like a vampire that, thing.
1: Yeah, you know, but right. I mean, that's, that's a Hollywood <laughs> vampire, though. The you know being invited, you have to be invited. That that's a Hollywood right. thing. Yeah, uh-huh. so uh, this I this is did. a real
2: black-eyed kid, kid thing. You have to invite them in.
1: Right, uh, right, smart i smart enough I, not to. I literally interviewed people from one, two, three, four, five, six continents who encountered these oh, wow. and. um so I mean it's it's a it's a it's a worldwide thing uh, as well, but I really haven't talked to, to anybody who's let them inside. So yeah, we yeah. What happens when I've, that happens?
2: Yeah, we've heard a couple of terrible stories about that, and the people end up getting sick and things like that that are tremendously unpleasant. But yeah, there's been a, so much question about all of a sudden these things coming on. Into view and and doing what they're doing, showing up and demanding entry, and being very threatening and having totally black eyes. It's, it's a very frightening phenomenon, and nobody can give us a a good explanation. Nobody knows what they are, but we've heard theories that they might be failed hybrids. That, um, you know, things like that. They're definitely not children, and people I need am, to be aware of that.
1: I had one guy contact me, and I really. I didn't communicate with him very much because frankly, what he told me was pretty terrifying. He claimed to be an Mm -hmm. adult black eyed person and his, his race is, it lives, lives amongst us. And that there, he said, we're all misunderstood and we're from sort of the same, you know, the, the same, the same tree. You are from Adam in the Bible, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. my race is from the serpent in the Bible, Oh, wow. And at that point, I'm like, yep, I really don't want to talk to you anymore.
2: (laughs) And you know your wife wouldn't be happy either. Well, Jason, unfortunately, we've come to the end of our time. Yeah, really. Uh, She gave you the ultimatum. We've come to the end of a wonderful evening with you. Everybody, make sure you get this book. It's terrific. Chasing American Monsters, Creatures, Cryptids, and Hairy Beasts. Thanks so much, Jason. Please stay in touch. We'd love to have you back again. And everybody will be back next week with another great show. Until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Stay safe out there, everybody. Good
3: Good night. Good night. Good night.
1: Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with SuperNet.
2: show really
4: appreciate it hey
1: i had a great time Uh, y'all asked great questions and it was just a lot of fun i am so sorry there were so many technical problems at the beginning i figured out what it i figured out what it was because i've never i haven't been entered i I haven't been entered on i haven't been interviewed on my cell phone before i usually do it on my headset through through skype right um sure but I had to, you know, because you couldn't hear me, so I had to hold the microphone up to my mouth. But then I couldn't hear you until I put the phone back to have the receiver Ah. part next to my ear. And I kept hanging up on you with my cheek. So I finally figured out that, you know, I should probably go get my headphones
2: and just hold the microphone
1: up to my mouth. And that solved everything.
2: Oh, gosh. Well, that did. And thank you for figuring it out. You know, sometimes we have audio trouble. And sometimes the board is very unstable. I couldn't get on with Skype myself, which was unusual. I had to use my cell phone, which usually doesn't happen, but I appreciate you uh, making that heroic effort to, to get it to work. So thank you. It, It was delightful. What a great, great interview you are. So please keep us posted. The book is tremendous and we'll continue to promote it for you.
1: Well, I really, really appreciate that. I, uh, And right now working on uh, Chasing Canada's Monsters.
2: Oh, good. Then we'll have you back for that one. Would you please keep us posted?
1: I I definitely will. I I know. I had a really good time. Thank you so much.
2: Oh, it's our pleasure. Again, you're a great guest, great book, and we'd love to have you back again. So take care. Stay away from the black-eyed kids, and we'll see you soon, (laughs) I hope. (laughs) All right.
1: I hope so, too. Have a good night.
2: You, too. Bye-bye, Jason. Bye.
1: Bye.